Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I wonder if you know this old joke. A distinguished English gentleman walks into an empty church and he approaches the sanctuary. And he says, O oh Lord, in thy presence I am nothing. Then he moves off to the side. Then another upper-crust British gentleman enters, approaches the altar and says, O oh Lord, before thee I am truly nothing. And finally, a drunken, disheveled, lower-class Irishman enters the cathedral, approaches the altar, and then slurs, Oh God, I'm nothing. And the one Englishman turns to the other and says, well, just look who thinks he's nothing. Now, the reason we laugh at that little story, which is actually one of my favorites, is not just the irony of it. It's also a burst of recognition. We see how easy it is to turn even the most sacred moments to our own advantage. How easy it is for the ego to use even the holiest of things for its purpose. See, think about this. The entire point of religion, think of everything in religion, from the Bible to the sacraments to sacramentals to the liturgy, everything. The whole point of it is to make us humble before God and to open us to the path of love. Everything else is more or less a footnote. You know, the whole, the whole thing is meant to conform us to the way of love. So when they instead turn us away from that path, those things have been perverted. They've been undermined. Now, both St. Paul and the Gospel writers, as well as, of course, Jesus himself, are intensely aware of this danger. This is precisely why Paul speaks of the danger of the law. He knew that people often use the law as a kind of weapon of aggression. You know how that works, fellow sinners, right? Since I know what's right and wrong, in fact, in some detail, then I'm uniquely positioned to point out your flaws. And when I point out your flaws, I, of course, elevate myself. You know, it's our favorite indoor pastime is pointing out the, the, uh, the flaws of other people, right? And if, if I know the law, the religious law, really well— I can be very exact and precise and articulate in pointing out the shortcomings of other people. But see, all I'm doing is elevating myself. If I put that person down, then I feel higher. In this case, the law, which is thoroughly a gift from God, has been co-opted for the purposes of the ego. Well, the famous parable for today is right on this issue. Jesus speaks of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, you know, we've been hearing the story for 2,000 years, so we naturally reverse the values. But see, in his time, what he was saying was, 
a stereotypically righteous and stereotypically unrighteous person. See, we naturally go, oh, Pharisee, bad guy. But don't do that. In the ancient, in Jesus' time, the Pharisee was the good guy. And a tax collector, they're bad guys. I mean, they were, they were stealing money from their own people. They were terrible. So he begins with a stereotypically good guy and a stereotypically bad guy who both enter the temple to pray. What we're meant to see, of course, is the world of difference in their manner of praying. So watch. The Pharisee we hear, quote, takes up his position. So he's confident. He's sure of his stature. Comfortably associating with the righteous, he feels right at home in the presence of God. Think for a second now. How many of us enter a church, enter the holy presence of Christ, without any fear or trembling? We just walk in like we own the place. That's the way the Pharisee walks in. Then we hear, it's beautiful, it's such a subtle point, quote, he speaks this prayer to himself. <laughs> that good. I mean, he's, he thinks or he pretends he's directing it to God. But in fact, he speaks this prayer to himself. In other words, he's, he's in the attitude of prayer. He's using words ostensibly directed to God. But the whole purpose of the prayer is to make him feel good about himself. It's just a kind of mirroring move. What is meant to break him fully out of his self-regard just confirms him in his self-regard. And again, that's precisely what Paul warns us about. Using the law as a tool of ego enhancement. So listen to him as he prays. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity. Greedy, dishonest, adulterous. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes on my whole income. <laughs> Notice what's going on here. Is this fella, he knows the law. And, and he knows, for an ancient Israelite, what the precepts of a righteous life were. But the knowledge has done him only harm. The whole purpose, the whole raison d'etre of these things is to awaken humility before God and love toward neighbor. But, as the ancient Romans knew, corruptio optimi pessima, right? The corruption of the best is actually the worst. In this case, the very best thing, prayer, has become the very worst thing. Now, the tax collector, who, mind you, is a bad man. And we're going to miss the whole point of this thing if we don't remember that. If we just think automatically, oh, what a great guy. I love the tax collector. No, no, for, for ancient Israelites, this was a, a bad man. And indeed, he was. You know, he's betraying his own people. He's skimming money off the top. He's, he's taking money from them. He's benefiting from it. So this bad guy comes in the temple doesn't take a prominent position, doesn't walk in like he owns the place, but rather we hear, quote, stood off at a distance. All he could manage was, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
though he does indeed do very bad things. This man, Jesus said, went home justified. There's that very powerful biblical word, justified, set right. You know, all of us sinners are off kilter, out of step with the way things ought to be. This man went home justified, set right. His prayer justified him. The law, the liturgy, prayer, in his case, accomplished what they were intended to accomplish. Okay, so how do we apply this to ourselves? I think these, these, uh, this story compels us to do a little examination of conscience in regard to our use of religion. We have to ask and answer some tough and honest questions. First of all, how often have we used our knowledge of the law to put someone else down? You know, the law, which is meant to bring us closer to God, right? And so, conceivably, you could say, yeah, I want to use my knowledge of the law to help this person who's wandering on the wrong path to get back on the right path. Sure, that's possible, and that's the whole point of it. But how often have we used our knowledge of the law not to do that, be honest, but to put someone else down? How often have we found ourselves saying some version of, well, it's pretty clear that um, you know he's violating what God desires. How often have we used our knowledge of the law to indicate with precision just how bad somebody else is? That's just a game of the ego. That's just a game of the self-inflating ego. Secondly, How often have we used the law, and again, be honest, to attack someone else? Have we wielded the law as a weapon? Turn the question around. How often have we used the law to accuse ourselves? See, and that's a very good use of the law, isn't it? If I know what God requires, and I say, yeah, and now I know how far I fall away from that. I use the law as a kind of mirror in which to see my own um, uh, limitations. Have we used our knowledge of divine commands as a means of healthy self-examination? Here's a third question prompted by this parable. When's the last time, and again, be honest, that you felt truly humbled and maybe even a little bit frightened in the presence of God. <laughs> now, I know, I know. I, I'm a post-conciliar Catholic. I came of age after the council. I know for a lot of folks before the council, uh, this was a terrible thing. I, I mean, they, they really had a sense of how fearsome God is. They were afraid of God. And no one wants to, to recover that. But I wonder if a lot of us post-conciliar Catholics don't wrestle enough with this issue. That we've turned God into kind of a warm fuzzy, where <laughs> God is, is just a nice old guy, never, never causes any harm. We just come strolling into his presence with utter confidence. I don't know. 
I think it might be a really uh, salutary spiritual exercise sometimes to stand at a distance in church, maybe unwilling to raise our heads, muttering only this prayer. I mean, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy of you. Ask yourself those questions. Ask yourself those questions. What's your relationship to religion and to the law? How are you using even the best thing that God has given us for the worst purposes? Now, if I might close on a positive note, can I warmly recommend to you that wonderful and famous and ancient Jesus prayer, which is based on the words of the publican from this parable? The entire Jesus prayer, which which forms the foundation of a lot of Eastern Christian spirituality, is this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the whole prayer. That's it. But what you do when you pray, you pray it over and over again. You pray it 10 times. You pray it 50 times. Pray it 1,000 times. It's based on this man's prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of a living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Not a bad starting point, by the way for using prayer, the law, the works of religion in precisely the right way. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.